Welcome to the Identity Trust Pulse, where we bring you the latest insights and trends from the fraud and identity industry. Today's fraudsters often form part of well-networked fraud organizations and are able to easily share knowledge on weak spots, vulnerabilities and attack patterns. A robust fraud prevention strategy should take a layered approach with multiple solutions working together harmoniously. But how can businesses ensure they have a strong digital authentication system in place that can mitigate fraud while delivering a convenient experience for trusted consumers? That's the question we'll be discussing today. I'm your host, Pratik Chowdhury, and in this episode, I'm joined by Daniel Robus, Chief Revenue Officer at Contactable. Daniel, firstly, thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. Thank you for the privilege. Uh, I'm really looking forward to today. It's such a lovely topic and it can go many ways. Let's see where it goes. Brilliant. Great to have you. I'm excited. So, Daniel, many of our listeners from South Africa will already be familiar with Contactable. For our audiences across the globe, should we start by introducing the company and its mission? That's great. Um, So I represent Contactable and we're essentially a digital identity orchestration platform. What that means in layman's terms is we take various sources of data that enable the digital journey and we put them together so that there can be a frictionless or frictionless digital journey with regards to onboarding and verification of who your customer says they are and should we be doing business with them. You know, in a nutshell, we believe at Contactable that our identities, be they physical or digital, are really worth protecting. And so are the companies that are taking on these identity. And it's not something that should be restricted to the developed world. This is not a a North versus South, a big versus small. It applies to everybody on the planet. We're based in Africa. We're very proud of it. And we are building solutions that can be exported with rugged readiness expected from an Africa-ready solution. Great. Great to hear. And can you tell us a bit about you, your role within Contactable and your background? Yeah, I can. At my core is customer service, and it seems like such a long, long time ago. I started my career helping customers at a call center and moved from there. That uh, foundation of customer first has been part of my journey ever since. I've been a project manager, a sales leader. I get thrust into sales quite often, partner manager in a couple of companies. Some have owned, some have been part of from an employee perspective, and some have been customer at. I've failed and succeeded. I've won and lost. I've taught and learned. But each time I've pitched up and, and played a part in the performance of a team. My heart is firmly set in service, and um, sales is my role at Contactable. Uh, and that's why I carry the the title of Chief Revenue Officer. I love this title as it gives me free reign to operate up and down the value chain to ensure that the customer is represented at all levels of our organization. Brilliant. Hey, excellent to know a bit about you, Daniel. So today we're going to be discussing digital identities, authentication. Mm. But what are the you know, trends, the biggest trends that you're seeing within the business, within Africa and globally with digital identities um, and authentication? Wow, that is such a massive question. And it probably um, the answer will change week from week because we are, are rapidly evolving as an industry. 
And, you know, I speak to you from Africa where we are challenged on so many layers and levels that our trends sometimes buck the global norms simply because of the different markets within our borders. Uh, you know, this continent is burgeoning at the moment. And if you look at a satellite overview of Africa at night, there's lots of dark space. And what that dark space represents is opportunity. There's opportunity to do things in Africa which have never been done before. So we switch hats, you know, within where I live, within 10 kilometer radius, we go from a first world environment through to an emerging market with which is desperate with poverty. And each of those needs to be dealt with. Yeah, you know, I could be dealing with a customer with high-end luxury motor car or next a prepaid insurance, which is a week-to-week -week insurance requirement in informal houses and unmapped land allotments. And they require quite a different focus from the company that's trying to service them. For sure, in our market, the MNOs are, are driving our efforts and where our development goes. The mobile operators are just so good. They're so responsive. And that's where the people are. Everybody in Africa has one, two or three mobile devices. The fluid nature of subscribers and the fickle loyalty of subscribers here has almost created a SIM swapping epidemic that creates huge headaches for companies on this side of the world. And you, you've got to identify the customer through all of this. And we're working through the same information again and again, which is clearly costing more, labor intensive and complicated. We have to look at that and, and simplify it. The other thing in context of Africa, if we zoom back into Africa, is that our businesses require super flexibility. Like we went from the luxury car to the homes that are, are not permanent fixtures, we go from smartphones to USSD protocols. You know, we've got people that are using first generation phones and we don't have the luxury of ignoring that old technology and simply leapfrogging in the most modern way. We still have to deal with those customers. We have to give them the same access and not have an exclusion policy that aborts them from the buying process. Yeah, that's interesting. Something that piqued my interest in, in what you just said was about digital identities and using digital identities to build trust, right? Once you build trust with these customers or with the consumers, businesses have the ability to pick and choose um, how they would like to authenticate these particular customers based on, you know, optimizations. How do those customers want mm. to get, um, mm. you know, authenticated? Now, bearing that in mind with digital IDs and trust, what do you see the next evolution of digital identity infrastructure? The digital identity infrastructure is evolving into the ecosystem that we've been dreaming of and thinking of for so long. And interoperability has to be enabled by the digital identity infrastructure. And what does that mean? For me, it means that customers shouldn't have to worry about whether Pratik and I are talking to each other. It should be assumed, and that means global scale with local relevance is key. Our features and functions are only a ticket to the game. The winning elements are, is it relevant in the way that my customer's prospect wants to take the data sources through and speak to the business 
So it adheres to laws, adheres to regulation, adheres to the, the specials that they're running. And we have to be able to scale to the level of that is expected from our customers out there so that they can be first responders and they can be at the customer when the customer needs them. And what is the first entry into the door? We have to digitally identify who the customer is to open the gates to them so they can do what they came to do. Further to that, I think that we need to build the infrastructure in a defensive manner that is security savvy, having security at the core of the strategy, but having business and the customer experience overlaid on that at all junctures. And that requires immense architecture. So it's interesting you touched upon that, right? The the first point is the entry, right? And how defensive you should be versus the, the sort of commercial aspects of wanting to let as many good customers in as possible. So looking into the new account creation for businesses, what would you say are the topmost challenges that businesses face? You know, is, is, is one of them not knowing what that digital identity looks like, right, at the mm. point of a new account creation? The challenges on new account registration is actually before the customer even arrives. It's many businesses are losing clients because the admin process is just too onerous. You know, they don't want to contemplate doing business with them. We're trying to sneak in an account uh, activation during our day while we're doing our real lives. And now you're putting red tape in front of me. I'm going to look at alternatives. When you're bartering for one of the most precious commodities that humans have, time, people get very defensive. Don't waste my time. But at the same time, people are saying, protect my personal data from everything. So the challenge is, how do we make this as streamlined as possible whilst not opening the organization to the risk of fraud or non-compliance from a regulatory perspective? That's why I think flexibility for our onboarding process is so key. Should the client want to onboard on their own device, send them a link. If they want to process from a laptop or a mobile device, send them, you know, give them access. If they want to come in store, that's fine. Let the agent help them. If they want to do it mid-process, they should be able to do it. And there shouldn't be a difference in the experience to them. So we've got to answer that question. Are you who you say you are? And do we want to do business with you as quickly as possible? And that's why this flexibility is so important. And remember, onboarding, in my mind, account creation doesn't only happen once. There's number of areas within enterprises where you're going to be opening different accounts or different relationships, engagements with the organization, and we need to cater for that. Why are we re-verifying somebody seven or eight times because they're opening different accounts within the organization? We need the flexibility to make that one digital identity span the enterprise. So, Daniel, you touched on this in the previous answer, but another important challenge for businesses is keeping up with compliance regulations. What do you see in your region in particular as a big driving force for change to ensure compliance? Oh, Pratik, it's so easy in our region because the world is watching and judging how we do business in Southern, you know, we're, we're always in the spotlight. We've been grey listed now. So this is con contributed to the need for more stringent um, business processes. 
the world's watching. South Africa is wonderful. It's a wonderful place to live because we're always in the limelight, not necessarily for the right things, because we get judged a lot. Um, but in South Africa, we have some of the best compliance laws ever written. However, the the adoption has almost been used as you would like. And that's from a, from a papaya perspective. And I'm hoping and you know, I'm hearing the right rumbles from government and legislation that there is going to be consequence for non-compliance. Our banking sector is so well managed, our mining sector is so well managed, our manufacturing sector, it should be the same from a, from a, a compliance perspective of identity management. It should be just accepted. You know, it's we should not allow operators to choose when to use the, these things. Good governance has been a guide and not a glue for business. I would love to see that that swing where papaya, where accountable institutions, where the grey listing areas all contribute to the businesses being better, not seen as a grudge purchase, not seen as a grudge learning exercise. These gates are essentially there to protect us as business people, to protect our shareholders and to protect our customers. They shouldn't be seen as business inhibitors. And I really believe that's why automation is key in these areas. You know, we need to eliminate as many manual steps as possible with the exceptions being handled by human intervention. And then the event must be accompanied by automated assistance to make decisions. I call it in-context reporting and in-context assistance. Uh, we've been doing it for years when you come to um, some some areas like, like mining or like manufacturing or IT. You know, when last did you go and check a survey? You get an alert. Why is it not the same when it comes to these processes? We have to be better than the standard. The standard should be the the bar and we need to go over the bar right analogy and then lastly for our listeners who are considering improving their digital workflow what are your closing thoughts that you'd like to share with them well the first is um you're not doing it for the first time Majority of folks who are going to listen to this podcast are not unique, unicorn, groundbreaking people doing things for the first time. Please don't make the same mistakes that other people did. Map out the process, get a view of the process, and even better, reach out to Pratik or reach out to, to a partner like this where you're listening to this, this uh, podcast and say, where have you done this before? We'd like to have a look at it so we can improve the process. Then try the process. You know, from an identity perspective, our processes impact a number of areas in the business. That gives you so much flexibility to try across an area and have a proof of value, a proof of, of, of work. And try it in an area where you can measure it and you can manage it before you go enterprise-wide. And the first one is, the third area is, don't waste time with months of what ifing. You know, what if it goes wrong? What if it goes right? What if it, and we get into this analysis paralysis, use the tools that are out there. They are so responsive. We're talking about a customer area where you can, within days, you'll be able to see if the process is improved or not. Get it out there. 
Get, get started, then get good at it. Don't expect to be a, an expert in the boardroom before you've rolled it out. One of the, the areas where I see lots and lots of people stumbling, they're still trying to do a lot of stuff manually. Use robots and AIs as much as possible. Have the gates so that you can spot the problems. Use your very intelligent engineers and your very intelligent business people to rather think about the problem resolution than to map the process. We've got all of that time. Use reflection time to see the mistakes, and then we can change actively and improve and make incremental improvements on the go. Do something that very few people do well. Speak to your customers. Please don't let it be some, some magical exercise that happens in a back room that nobody ever sees where what's going on. We are past that. If you subscribe to Agile, you would know at the center of your process as a customer. Make sure you identify who the customer is and invite them in. Not the management or the leader or, or whatever. The person that is actually going to be living the process, who's going to be supporting the process, inheriting the outcomes for the process, all going through the process. And it doesn't have to be a 17-month theoretical exercise before we get practical. Guys, we're, we're in the world that is evolving so quickly that we can't afford to take time to have theoretical exercises that go on for years and years when it comes to our general business processes. We want to get them in. We want to see if they make any positive or negative impact, and we want to change them accordingly so that we can get better at what we do, which is our business. Daniel. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our chat. Ah, I've loved it. It's a little bit like sipping from a fire hydrant when you get me on the line. Don't let me talk. I love it. Um, but thank you for uh, um, giving us the opportunity. We love being a partner. So thank you for helping us uh, reach our ambitions. A wonderful to end on that note. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. If you want to tune in again, uh, don't miss the next episode of the Identity Trust Pulse. Thank you very much for listening. The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to and shall not be used as legal advice. The views and opinions expressed in this program are solely those of the speakers and don't necessarily reflect the views or position of LexisNexis Resolutions. LexisNexis Resolutions does not warrant that the information provided in this podcast is accurate or error-free.